Well, as we get started in this new sermon series in this new year, I want to begin with a question. And when I ask this question, you do not need to raise your hand, okay? You do not need to raise your hand because we already know the answer. By the way, the answer is yes, in case you don't know, the answer is yes. So no reason, no reason to raise your hand. But here's the question. Have you ever lied? Now, again, with the answer is already yes, right? Okay. Have you ever lied in an attempt, in an attempt to assure someone that you could be trusted? Right? Think about that. Now, in case that's not a plain enough thought, the answer is yes, right? Okay, let's be honest. Now, let's just think back in time to maybe when you were young. So, for example, maybe you had uh, your parents, like my parents, had rules about things that you were allowed to do or not allowed to do. But maybe you had friends who were allowed to do different things. They had different rules. By the way, it's always interesting uh, when we're kids that we um, always complain when our friends can do something that we can't do. You know, like that's not fair, but we never go the other way. We never say, well, I should not be allowed to do something because my friends aren't allowed. It's always a one-way street. But anyhow, so we, we had friends who were not allowed to do some, or who, we couldn't do certain things. Maybe we couldn't go watch certain shows or movies, or we couldn't go to, maybe to go to the movies, or hang out with a certain crowd of friends. But we always had those friends that our parents trusted, right? And so your parents would say, okay, you can go stay the night uh, at your, this friend's house because we, we like them. But, but maybe your parents said to you, okay, now listen, while you're there, don't do anything that you know we wouldn't approve of. And you're like, what, me? Of course, of course not, of course not. I would never do anything that you wouldn't approve of while I'm at my friend's house, right? And then you got there and in fact, your friend wanted to watch that TV show or movie that your parents wouldn't approve of or go to the movies to watch something they wouldn't approve of or go hang out with the other group of kids or have them over. And you knew that your parents would not approve, but they're not there and well, they don't know. And so you have a decision to make. Do you want to look cool and be a part of the group or do you want to be lame And so you just, went, you just enjoyed it. You watched it. You went there. You did that. You went to that place. And this happened again, perhaps, and again. And then one day, at some point in time down the path, your parents said to you, did you, hey, did you do such and such? When you were with your friends, did you go out and go to this certain place? Or did you go with that certain group of kids? Or did you watch the certain thing? And all of a sudden, you had a decision to make. Do you tell your parents the truth in face of the music? Or do you lie to them so that they will think that they can trust you? Right? They can, they'll continue to trust you, and the best way to get them to continue to trust you is to lie to them about what you've done, right? Now, come on, we can all relate. Now, here's, here, let me word it this way for the sake of our sermon series, is this. Have you ever, um, have you, um, ever compromised your integrity to protect your reputation as someone who has integrity? Think about that now. You ever compromise your integrity to protect your reputation as somebody who has integrity? Because here's why. This is just for being honest and human here. We're all tempted to. I'm tempted to. Something would make me look bad and I could cover it. I mean, I, mean, I want to, you know, we're all tempted to, to uh, do this, right? Because sometimes, sometimes we're willing, uh, we're willing to be bad if that's what it takes to look good. Or we can say it this way, we would, we would rather be bad than look bad. We would rather be bad by being dishonest or deceitful or cheat than to be honest if it would, might make us look bad, right? 
That's the temptation we face. And this is why integrity is so very important. So for the next few weeks, we're going to have a conversation with a series that we're entitling Structural Integrity. Structural Integrity, and and we're going to talk about that a little bit. First of all, the word integrity. Um, Before I say that, let me just say something that I might, I just, I want to say, uh, if you've been around, you know, my, uh, our ministry here for very long, you've heard me say something like this before. Um, We get our sermon ideas and our sermon series ideas from a lot of different places. Sometimes we just study a book of the Bible together. Sometimes through prayer, God lays us a topic on our hearts, my heart, our team's heart, to preach about that topic. Sometimes it's through counseling people that you see a common problem pop up, and so you want to talk about that problem. Sometimes we read a book or hear a sermon series ourselves, and that speaks to our hearts. We want to bring it and give it to you on Sundays. For example, last year, if you were with us last year, at the beginning of 2021, we did a whole series on habits that, that we largely got from reading a few books on habits, largely, the most of it was from James Clear's book called Atomic Habits. We, we was such good information that we curated it here and, and it gave him credit and we kind of taught it to our church to start off 2021. So we get our sermon topics from a lot of different places and, and you know that. But today, so I listen to a lot of sermons and a lot of different preachers because I, you know, I don't get to listen to I don't get to listen to the preacher on Sunday. I'm one up here talking. So I listen to sermons. And one of the, of the preachers I listen to, or there's several, is uh, Andy Stanley. And uh, he um, did a sermon series a few months back on integrity. And it was so good that I got our team, Anthony Curtis, Nathan Christensen, and myself together. And we all listened to them again. And we discussed the idea of maybe bringing that content to our church and curating it for our church because he wanted us to have it. So we took it, you know, kind of changed a few things, kept a lot of it the way it was, he did it, it was so good. But we decided to bring it to us this year because we thought it'd be a great way to start 2022. So if you want to hear it done better than it'll be done here, go back a few months and listen to him preach the series instead. But if you're stuck with me, we'll give you a few good weeks, I think, on the topic of integrity here at Lighthouse Church. Now, um, you see the picture. This is our, our, our packaging, structural integrity. You see the picture of the bridge up here. And whenever you see a bridge, you think about, this, by the way, Nathan did a great job designing this for us. I want to say thank you. Um, you see the bridge, and um, you know you think about a bridge being built to, to obviously hold what it needs to hold. That's what we hope for, anyhow, when you cross the bridge. You've probably been across a couple of bridges before that you really doubted could hold what they were supposed to hold. But you hope, especially a big bridge or buildings that you see can, can, can support. They're, the engineers came in and designed this structurally in such a way that it has the integrity to carry its load. So let's define that together. Structural integrity... Uh, before I give you that, I want to give you a definition for integrity. Now, we're going to give you an official definition next week. If you come to us next week, we'll discuss integrity officially by definition that we're going to give you. But just to get us started, you know what integrity means, don't you? I mean, integrity loosely defined is the courage and the resolve to do the right and noble thing simply because it's the right and noble thing, Right? It's the, it's the courage to do the right thing just because it's the right thing, even when it costs you. In fact, especially when it costs you. That's integrity. But structural integrity is a term that engineers would use when they build 
bridges and buildings. And structural integrity is defined as the ability of a structure to withstand its intended load without failing due to fracture or fatigue. So they build a bridge and they, they have an intended load of how much weight it can hold, how, many, how big of a vehicle can go over that bridge or how many vehicles can be on that bridge or how many people can live on the third floor of that building or stand on that balcony. It's the ability of a structure to withstand its intended load without failing due to fracture or fatigue. And we all know stories of structures that did not hold their integrity under a certain amount of pressure and tragedy struck. Because here's the thing about integrity. Um, when, a load -bearing, when a load bearing structure fails, whenever a load bearing structure fails, the load is transferred to and potentially overloads surrounding support structures. So if you've ever worked on building a house or anything, you know this. Uh, uh, you know, when something is built to hold the weight, if that doesn't hold what it's built to hold, then that load that it's supposed to carry is now transferred to something else that's got to support that. And it stresses, it stresses out that other thing that's got to support the failure of the load-bearing structure. And if it can't support it, if the stress is too much, it overloads it and that can crumble as well. And damage is done even broader than intended. As structural integrity. Now we understand this when it comes to structures, or at least we kind of get that when it comes to structures. But this is true when it comes to our personal integrity as well. Because a failure, a failure of personal integrity adds stress to the persons around us doesn't it? We know this. It adds stress to others in our lives. We have several people in our church who work in our schools locally. And some of us, like me, volunteer in our schools. What happens in schools, if you're a teacher or a, an administrator, when, when a student comes to school and you see a student who's getting straight A's, they're great, they're in, maybe they're in, even in honors classes, they're doing great, they're just a model student. And then suddenly one day they come in and their grades start tanking. And they, all of a sudden they're failing everything. And their disposition has changed and something's very different all of a sudden. And what's the first thing that you always think? You think something must have happened at home, right? Something must have happened uh, uh, maybe in, in, uh, in their parents or to a parent or to their parents that, that uh, integrity was compromised, something stressful happened, it added stress to that child. And now they're struggling and they're overloaded and they're not doing so well. Okay? Many of you perhaps have been in a marriage situation where in your marriage, your marriage was stressed and strained, not because of a failure of your integrity as a couple, but maybe because of something that your high school son or your high school daughter did or your college-age son or daughter did where their integrity was compromised and it added stress to your marriage. Now you're sitting there figuring out, do we say something? Do we, do we step in? Do we step back? Do we agree on how to handle this? What do we do? And all of a sudden your relationship is strained by their choices and the stress they added to your relationship, right? An employer, an employer can make a decision that lacks integrity and all of a sudden can undermine the, the jobs and livelihoods of dozens or hundreds of people happens all the time. Our foster care systems are full of kids who you watch because a parent or a couple parents failed at their, at what was right to do. 
they're left in a spot where sometimes, no matter how much someone tries to help them, there's generational baggage, sometimes generational addictions that are struggled with in an attempt to figure out how to handle the load that was stressed upon them by somebody else. And what happens is this, when our integrity fails, the load, the load is always transferred. It's always transferred to somebody. And it's always transferred to those people who are closest to us. Somehow we end up hurting those we love the most, right? Somehow. The consequences are never, never isolated. Now, here's the thing about integrity. Integrity is a universal expectation. And this is important that we understand this because if you come in today, and I'm sure no one has done this, but if you were to come in or listen to this and say, oh, you know, I just don't think integrity is that important to me for me. I don't care about having integrity. You know, and I don't think anyone would say that, but we might dismiss it in our lifestyle. Here's the crazy part. We're hypocrites in some way. Don't you love to come to church and be told that? But we are because we expect it. We expect integrity. We expect it of others whether we have it or not. We all do. We expect others to have integrity whether we have it or not. Plainly put, thieves do not expect to be stolen from, right? Like, if he doesn't sit there and say, hey, wait a minute, you stole from me. I mean, I know I stole it first, but you should know better. You don't, you don't do that to me, right? I mean, uh, unfaithful husbands and, or wives don't expect to be cheated on, right? That's how it goes. We just, we expect better from other people. Let's just, let's just stay there for a moment. Let's talk about this. So when you, perhaps when you were young, not you, not any of us here, but somebody else when you were young, when you were young, perhaps you cheated in school on a test and, um, you know, you either had the answer key or you copied off another student's paper or perhaps you, you know, you got, someone who was in that class earlier gave you the answers. Anyhow, you, uh, you cheated. You would have gotten a D or an F, but because you cheated, you got a B. And the paper comes back and there's your B. But, but then imagine that you're, you're reading your paper now and you notice that on your paper the teacher misgraded it. They marked something wrong that actually wasn't wrong because the teacher just misgraded it. Do you sit there and say, oh, well, I mean, I should have gotten enough anyhow, so, you know, big, no big deal. Now you go up to the teacher and say, hey, you misgraded my paper. You got this wrong. Never mind that I cheated to get that good of a grade in the first place. I expect you to have the integrity to do my, your job right when you grade it for me. Okay? Okay, okay, let's just keep going. Adults, you go to work. And you're paid hourly to get this much, you know, this, do this work for this much per hour for this many hours a day. So I worked at a trucking company, Tim, right, for years, overnight, usually overnight. Um, and um, I remember, I don't know if they still do this or not, but I remember that they used to take the freight out of the trucks, and there's always those spots on the dock where the, the supervisor station can't see you or the dock office can't see you. And so guys would always kind of find a spot to hang out and, and hide to smoke or to sit around and talk and waste all sorts of time throughout the day, getting paid per hour because, you know, the boss can't see. And we all, I mean, you know, go to break room a few extra times. Maybe you're in the office setting and you're doing your, you know, Facebook or checking out bills or answering emails on personal emails or playing games on your phone in the office or whatever. People waste time. But if your boss comes to you and says to you, uh, you get your check and he shorted you or she shorted you a couple of hours, you don't sit there and say, oh, well, I probably wasted a couple hours or more this week. 
No, you go right to the boss and say, hey, wait a minute now. You underpaid me here. Never mind if I wasted more time than that this week. I expect you to do right. I expect you to have integrity even if I did not have integrity. It's just it's a universal expectation whether we have it or not. And so not only is integrity expected, but here's the thing that we need to understand. Integrity is essential. It's essential. We can't just say it's not important to me. It is. It's important to us from others, and it's important to us. It's essential for relational contentment and fulfillment. Let me just think of it this way. Say it this way. Relationships in close proximity, integrity in relationships is kind of like in machinery. When you have machinery that works together, you're, I mean, we don't have as much machinery nowadays as we used to. Everything is digital. But you know, any kind of machinery you can work with, it's amazing how it's built. All these intricate parts that work together in correlation with each other, perfect harmony. It's built that way. It's amazing. But, but it needs a lubricant, doesn't it? The machinery needs a lubricant so that the machinery can work in perfect harmony. If you take the lubricant out, that machinery will eventually cause friction and will make a big mess. It doesn't matter how well it's built. Doesn't matter how beautiful the machine it is, without that, that that's gonna eventually, that, that beautiful thing's gonna just destroy itself without the lubricant that keeps it running smoothly together in operation. That's how relationships work. It doesn't matter how good your relationships are. You could be made for each other. We're made for each other. You could be at the perfect job and you love everyone on your team at your job. It's just a wonderful team. No matter what your setting is. When you're in close proximity to other people, there's room for friction because proximity creates the potential for friction. Which, by the way, which increases the demand for integrity. Because the proximity creates that. You, if you don't have that integrity there, there's a lubricant to that relationship. No matter how magically made for each other you are, how good your team is, there will be breakdown at some point. Because proximity creates the potential for friction. It's important. Now, the problem here is this. There's little external help. There's external help for everything today. Have you noticed that? Like, you want to improve anything, it's out there. Want to improve your skin? We have products for you. Just go to Walgreens today. Anti-aging, this and that. You got it all. There's products to help your skin, your hair. You want to lose some weight? There's 18 programs out there. Some are free, some are paid. It doesn't matter. We got a plan. You want to, you know, drop a few pounds, want to build some lean muscle fill? You want to, you want to do some things that are good for you? I mean, we got a plan for it, man. Exercise, cardio, what are you looking for? There's a plan for everything. But when it comes to improving or addressing our integrity, there's very little help in culture. In fact, in fact, the external pressure to compromise rather than preserve our integrity, it can be relentless. For some people in business, this is how you get ahead. This is how you get the deal. You know, it's a dog-eats-dog world, right? Survival of the fittest. You just got to do what you got to do. The external pressure to compromise rather than preserve our integrity is relentless. Even if it's not that, just the, 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 to compromise our integrity just to not lose everything, just to survive, <laughs> Right? But, but that's not what I'm even talking about in this sermon series. Because forget the external pressure. Here's our point. The internal pressure, the internal pressure to compromise rather than preserve our integrity is relentless. Because do you know what one of the strongest driving forces that we all have? 
this powerful thing called shame avoidance. Oh, shame avoidance at all cost. That's why we said earlier, have you ever lied in an attempt to convince somebody else that you could be trusted? Have you ever uh, done something against integrity to convince somebody that you have integrity? Whatever we have to do, if we got to cheat, steal, steal, fudge, lie, you know, shift, whatever it takes, we, there's just a, a pressure to compromise doing the honest and truthful thing. And that pressure can be relentless. So therefore, there's no hope. It's all over. Thank you for coming. Have a nice day. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Right? No, no, no. Thankfully, we have Bible principle and a North Star idea. I want to share a North Star idea with you today that can guide you in this pursuit. Now, we're going to look at one Bible verse today. We're starting a sermon series today. And for the next few weeks, we're going to look at a lot of Bible. We're going to see a lot of Bible stories but for today, as we get started, as we introduce our topic today, I want to look at just one Bible verse. And that's okay, because it's one verse that I want you to commit to memory. I want you to take it home with you. It's a big idea. The verse is Proverbs 11 and verse 3. And the, the first part of it, it begins like this. It says, the integrity, that's what we're talking about, the integrity of the upright guides them. It guides them. And that brings us to this question that I want to ask a few times today, and that is simply this. What guides you? What guides you? Is it financial success It guides you? Is it your goals you're trying to reach? Is it a promotion that you're aiming for? Is it relational dominance, having the upper hand, being the better person? What is the driving force that guides you and directs you in life? That's a big thing to wrestle to the ground. And you say, well, of course, Arlen, integrity guides me. But this is the thing. This is the part where we're not always very self-aware or self-honest. Because everybody, you ever, hear, you ever know somebody in your life who would say, oh, yeah, I'm a person of integrity. And you're like, yeah, right. We all know you. But they think they are, and you think they are. Uh, we, what guides you? And here's the thing. We sometimes have to have our integrity get tested. And no one wants that. No one wants that. But sometimes the best thing that can happen to us is a test to reveal something about ourselves that we don't know until the test comes. Because here's the thing. We don't know if integrity guides us until maintaining integrity costs us. We don't know if our integrity really guides us until all of a sudden the integrity we claim to have to do the honest thing in this moment, to tell the truth here, to, to operate properly here, to be honest there, if doing so will cost us, that's when we find out if integrity actually guides us or not. Because here's the thing. Unless integrity is your guide, unless integrity is your guide, it, um, it becomes merely a tool that you use to get your way. Integrity can be either a guide or a tool. It's either a guiding force or it's a tool that we use. And unless integrity is your guide, it becomes merely a tool that you use to get your way until it gets in the way. And then we throw it away because it's in the way of what I need to get through now. I, I liked integrity when it's a tool to use to other people. You have integrity. It's expected. It's a, it's a tool when it says, look at me. I have integrity. Let me get ahead. Promote me. Think well of me. But all of a sudden when integrity is going to cost me something and it gets in my way, well, if it's, if it's just a tool, we throw it away. Right? 
And that's why it's so important today. It's so, so important, whether you're watching online or in person, it's so important that all of us here, we don't ever, we have to be, okay, we have to be slow to judge other people. I know we live in a culture that encourages us, us to judge other people, right? It's easy to do. Like, it's like we're all paparazzi and we all front row seats everyone's life. And if someone's any kind of fame or they're well known, we're like, we, and, and we got have social media too. We got on social media and it asks us questions like, tell us what's on your mind. So we're all judge and jury of other people's lives. Can you believe so and so? It's very careful. It's very important that we aren't quick to judge other people for their failures at integrity because we don't know our own integrity until it's going to cost us to maintain it. It's very dangerous for us to say things like, well, I would never do that. I, oh, can you believe so-and-so did? Well, I would never do that. I would never do that. Here's the thing. You don't, you don't know that. It's easy to look at somebody who has opportunities to fail in ways that we don't have opportunities to fail because of their money or their position or where they are in life or their talent or their looks or whatever it may be. And they have, and I don't have their temptations, but I'm thinking, well, I would never, I might never have a chance to. But you put me in the right crosshairs in the right moment of life, and it's easy all of a sudden to realize it's a little harder than I thought it was. And I'm not saying it's justifying bad behavior, but we should be careful to not judge other people because we don't really know sometimes how we would do. Well, I'm sure I would never do that. You don't know that. Remember the Bible story of Peter? Peter was the disciple of Jesus. As Jesus got ready to go to the cross, Jesus is like, I'm going to die. You're all going to run away. And Peter's like, I'll never leave you. I'll never deny you. I'll never, never do that. And Jesus is like, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And you're going to, no way, Jose. He says, or Jesus, no way, Jesus. I will never deny you, ever. And so, you know, he's, he's wrestling with this thing. And what happens? He meant it. I believe he convinced himself he would never do that. But then Jesus was arrested. And Peter's sitting outside the watch and knows he's going to be put to death. He's by the fire. What does Peter all of a sudden do? When the moment when, his, when maintaining integrity could cost him. Hey, aren't you with him? Peter, whoops, denied him. I'd be very careful to say I would never do that. You don't know that. And be careful how we look at other people who are on the same journey of life in different scenarios than us. But here's the question for us today. And this is what I want you to get ahead of it. I wish Peter could have looked honestly at his life before that moment and been truthful about himself. Here's the question that we need to ask ourselves before the next crisis comes. What guides you? What is the thing that guides you? Is integrity your guide or is it a tool? Now back to our verse, the first part of our verse, Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them. I want you to notice that word upright. That may be the most important word in this verse for us today. The word upright refers to somebody who is literally, who is, who is standing upright. Somebody who is, who is, in other words, your parents ever tell you, hey, straighten up. Hey, straighten up. Stand up straight. Be upright. It's like a posture thing, right? Get your posture straightened up. Because we, otherwise we tend to slouch down and look down, right? Hey, stand up straight. The upright's a big idea. And this is a big idea that's taught throughout the Bible and throughout the book of Proverbs, by the way, about prudent people looking ahead. That when we are upright, when we are not slouched over or bent over or crooked, but when we are upright, we can look ahead. We can take the long look at what's coming because we are upright. 
It's contrasted throughout Proverbs with the idea of the person who is not looking prudently ahead, but is looking at what's right in front of them. We're bent over. We're looking at what's right now. What's right now, what's right in front of me versus somebody who is upright and is taking the long look. The integrity of the upright guides them. Or I can put it this way, your posture, your posture influences your future. If we're the kind of people who are always bent over looking at what's right in front of us, the opportunity right now, I want to, I want to abuse that substance right now because I really want to do that. I want to surf that porn right now because I really want to do that. I want to indulge in the sexual behavior over here. I want to, I want to, uh, I want to financially, you know, make this financial decision right now because right now that would make my life a little more fun. I want to, to be dishonest in this relationship because that will make things more comfortable. I want to cheat over here a little bit because that will get me ahead. I want to lie here. You know what I'm saying? When we're looking at now and we're bent over looking at what's right in front of us and what will make t- today better, it will impact our future where we end up. Because when you're doing that, you're looking at now, not later. You're looking at wow and not whoa, where's this going to take me? And so if we're doing that, saying, well, this indulgence looks fun right now, not considering where it's going to lead, this lie right now will help me in the immediate situation feel better, not knowing the distrust it will create for later. When, when, when our posture has been over, we get in trouble. But when we are upright, when we're taking the long look, when we're looking at where decisions lead, what will that do in, the, in, in time? Well, that changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. And look, we know this. Our, our past regrets, our past regrets confirm this, doesn't it? If, you're, if we were to call you up here, and we won't, trust me, we're not going to do this, don't worry. If we were to call you up here, hand you a microphone and say, tell us your biggest regrets. Most of us, our biggest regrets were happen at some point when we were looking at what's right in front of us. He was, he talked sweet. She was pretty. My friends were all doing it. I, you know, I had to have that now. It could be a thousand things. Our usually our biggest regrets come from, from looking at what's right now instead of what's going to come down the road. Because we, t- we stand up right and take the long look. The integrity of the upright, it guides them. It's a, it's a north star. It's a, it's, a, it's a reminder that there's something beyond right now and the discomfort that's to come. I'm going somewhere. Here's the thing we have to, to think. And here's a question you need to wrestle with. Every time you're tempted to sit there and say, well, this is handy. Well, this will help me today. I know I usually have integrity. Arlen, I usually believe what you're saying, but I heard the sermon last Sunday, but now, you know, it's Thursday, four days from now. It's Thursday, and in my, in my situation here, doing the, being honest or truthful or not cheating or fudging, you know, doing the right thing is going to cost me something, and so I don't know. I, I think that I need to make an exception. Here's the thing. In those moments, you have to ask yourself this question. If I'm quick to abandon my integrity situationally, because of, a, of the cost of maintaining it, if I'm quick to abandon my integrity, then, then what, what's really guiding me? What, what is really guiding me? What, what's really the driving force? Is it, is it following Christ? Is it, is it the, the preferred future he has for me because he loves me? Is it what's best for those I love? Or is it looking good? Because here's the thing. 
If we're honest sometimes, if we were telling the truth, we would have to admit, sometimes what, a problem with me and with you is that you're more concerned with looking good than with being good. I'm more concerned with looking good than being good. Because again, shame avoidance is a big deal to many humans. It's a big deal. That's why we said earlier, would you lie to not look, to be trusted? We want to look good. So bad. So bad. That we prioritize how we look over how we are inside. And we build, in, in the church world we call it, coming together and building a stained glass masquerade. Pretending everything's fine when it's not. But it sure is hard to live an honest and upright life when we're looking good and not being good at it to do it. Now, I want to give you some advice today as, I, as, we, as we are at the space in the sermon. This might be the most important thing I say to somebody today. Online, in person, it might be the most important thing you hear, especially if you are in a position of authority. If you are a, a boss at your job, or if you are a, a mom or dad, or a small group leader, a Sunday class teacher, you work with people, you, you, you have a circle of friends that you have influence with your friends, your peers, if you, whatever it may be. If you're in a position of authority or a position of leadership, I hope you'll hear this and take it to heart. Your, your integrity is more important than your infallibility. Because here's the thing, neither you nor I are infallible. And I'm not saying be reckless and who cares. Obviously, our, when we, we make decisions, when we falter, it can be costly. It transfers a load. But sometimes, because we know that, we don't want to look bad, so we pretend like we didn't mess up. We, we cover it up. It's bad enough that we hit a fall or a falter, but then we cover it up, or we you know, spin it, or we blame somebody else, we do something to try to protect our image rather than owning what happened. And I want to say this to all of you. Your integrity is so much more important than your infallibility. No one thinks you're infallible. And yes, it might be surprising sometimes to see somebody you looked up to who, who, who makes a trip up and a stumble. It might be shocking to see them make a mistake. But when those moments happen, and they happen to all of us, the best thing that person could do is step up and say, hey, I made a mistake. But when we are trying to look infallible and compromise our integrity to do so, we made the wrong trade-off. Moms and dads, you raise your kids. You want your kids to grow up and be honest, but they never see you own it when you're not. When you, when you make a mistake, you're not honest. You spin it, but don't, but don't you spin it. You tell your employees to be truthful, to come clean, to put everything on the table, to be honest and open, but you're not as an employer. But it just, it can, it can really hurt us, can't it? So your integrity is more important than your infallibility. And so here's what we all have to learn to do. We have to learn in life that the secret is when you mess up, you own up and you clean up. When I mess up, I, I come up and I say, listen, I own it. No, I'm not going to point fingers or blame somebody else or, well, they provoked me or, well, life is hard or someone else's fault or I'm going to own it and say, doesn't matter what's going on or who did what, I should not have done that. I'm gonna, I messed up. I'm going to own up and I'm going to clean up. I'm going to look at you and say, hey, my bad decision, I my messed up, put pressure on you. I transferred a load to you, but I'm going to own it. I'm going to work on it. I'm going I'm to come back and be accountable to you to take the emotional pressure off of you. I will follow up with you. Don't you worry again because I own what I did. I'm going to Fix this. Now listen carefully. Isn't, isn't that the kind of person that we respect and admire in life? Let's be honest. The people that you respect and admire in life, it's not because they're perfect, right? It's not because they are 
Jesus, you know, back in the flesh again, is because that if and when they do mess up, don't you respect the people who own it? They don't point fingers, they just take it. They don't spin it, they don't blame everything else in culture, they just own it. Say, I, I, I should do better. I, I, and, they, and they fix it, they deal with it. They face the consequences, they make it right. No matter how painful it is, even if it costs them something, you respect it in others. And isn't it true that the people who don't do this are the people that we have the least respect for in life? So why are we tempted when we mess up to try to look good rather than be good? Let's mess up. Let's not mess up, but when we do, let's own up and clean up. Look at the rest of our verse together. Proverbs 11, verse 3. The integrity, this is the whole verse now, ready? The integrity of the upright guides them, but, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. That's an important statement. In other words, people who thought they were walking in integrity, but all of a sudden, the now happens. And, and don't be fooled. The now happens to all of us. No matter who, how good you are, at some point, you're taking the high road, you're looking down the pathways, and something happens, and all of us, it pulls our posture down to look at the now. And, and what happens is sometimes we get unfaithful and we start making decisions based upon the now without thinking about where that takes us down the road. We start doing what's best now to make me look good or feel good or get ahead now instead of is it the right thing or is it just the immediately desirable thing. So in those moments when we get unfaithful, the temptation sometimes is to make one bad decision and then to say, oh, i got to cover that. And we keep looking at the now and we cover it. And we start covering our covering and the unfaithful end up being destroyed by their duplicity. The duplicity of saying, I expect integrity from others, but I don't have it myself. Or I say I do sometimes, but other times I hide. And that unfaithfulness brings destruction. It, it causes our structure to falter and our load to be transferred to somebody else who's got to bear the stress of it. So the integrity of the upright guides them. And so we've been asking the question, what guides you? Raising kids now, two adult kids, raising kids, Michelle and I. One thing I've tried to impress upon them through the years as, as they've grown up, especially in, 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 you talk about it more when you need to talk about it more. I've tried to impress upon my kids the idea that if there's a couple rules that are the, the most important rules to obey in our family, of course, the most important rule is respect your mama, right? But the, the most, maybe the most important rule in our, for our kids, raising them is this. Don't lie, right? Mom and dad, you know what I'm saying? Tell the truth. Because if, if telling the truth about what you want to do instead of just sneaking and doing it or telling the truth about what you did instead of trying to cover it up, if telling the truth gets you, makes you miss an opportunity or gets you a little trouble, that's, that's fine. That's not fun for any of us. That's not fun for them. It's not fun for parents. But there's a relationship that can be built on trust. But when lies are present... When lying is present, it undermines the entire relationship. And trust can't be established and nothing works in lies. That's why it doesn't work for you. That's why couples, you shouldn't have secrets from your spouse. Be open and be honest because nothing, no relationship can grow or foster well in the dark, in the secrets. So you tell the kids, tell the truth. 
so we can operate. Yes, it might be uncomfortable. Yes, it might nick some, some plans in the, you know, it might nip them in the bud. It might close some doors you want to have open. It might, it might, it might actually get you in trouble with something that happened that you fess up to. But, but if, we're, if we find out later that we've been lied to, the relationship is un- undermined. Right? But if we know that we're being truthful, we can, we can get through those tough spots. And don't you respect people who come to you and, 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 they, and they tell you the truth? You're like, wow, I wouldn't have known that if you wouldn't have told me. You don't think less of them for that. You think more of them for that. Because they didn't have to tell the truth, but they owned it. And so, teach our kids to tell the truth. But mom and dad, we can't pass that down if we don't do it ourselves. It's got to start with us. And if you're young, this is the, don't, don't wait till you're married. Don't wait till later in life, the younger you are. So I'll figure this out someday. No, it won't. You're starting a path now of looking at the now and making decisions based upon the immediate or posturing up. Your posture influences your future. Your posture impacts your future. To straighten up and say, what's the long view? What kind of marriage do I want to have someday when I'm married? What kind of family do I want to have someday? What kind of uh, person do I want to be? What kind of opportunities do I want to have in life? Does integrity guide me? Even when it costs me. So we're going to take a couple of weeks and we're going to talk about structural integrity. And from here, we're going to look at some Bible stories and some passages that tell us what not to do, show us what not to do, kind of like wow stories, you know, and some, and some stories and examples and some scripture. We're going to see some stories about what to do and how awesome it is for some people we can admire and respect and look at and follow an example as a North Star to our life to help us do the same thing. It's going to be a fun few weeks, and I hope before it's all over, we will have a burning heart for being people of integrity. But in the meantime, here's what I want to do to wrap up our time together today. I'm going to try something that we've thought about trying before here, and we've not done it. Because we just, we thought about it, we never, maybe we did it once, I don't know. But we're going to try this for the next several weeks. At the end of each sermon, I'm, I'm planning to give you three questions to take home with you. You can write these down as they're on the screen, or you can take a picture of them on your phone, or if you're watching online, take a screenshot. These are three questions I want you to take these home with you. And if you're, if you're married or you're in a relationship with somebody, I want you to discuss these questions with them sometime this week. If you have children that are old enough to understand, have this conversation with your children this week and talk about these questions. And, and if you're in a small group, this is a great idea for a small group to get together and, and, and meet and discuss this as a group together in your small groups. Three questions to take home. Question number one is this. Have you ever done the right thing because it was the right thing and paid a price? And the follow-up to that same question, was it worth it? Was it worth it? This is so important, especially, especially moms and dads especially, but for anybody, this is the kind of stuff that we can pass on the, the, where, where our words fall on deaf ears, the stories of our example can carry on in the hearts and lives of those who come after us so important that, that when we make decisions of integrity and it costs us, we let people close see that because it, it, it serves to fuel each other to do the right thing. So discuss this. Have you ever done the right thing because it was the right thing and paid a price? And if so, in the end, not, not, maybe not that day, maybe in the short run and the long run, was it worth it? Second question I want you to, to, to take home with you. Have you ever, have you suffered personally because of someone else's lack of integrity? Along your life, have you, have you ever had to bear, the load was transferred to you because somebody else didn't bear the load? Stress, put stress on you? 
Have you ever had to, to carry that burden in life? Have you ever, this is therapy time right here, right? Have you suffered personally because of someone else's lack of integrity? How does that feel? What does that tell, what does that tell us about the importance of integrity in our lives, right? Number three, I simply want to ask you, number three, would you commit our Bible verse, Proverbs 11.3, to memory this week? Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Would you commit that to memory? Put that down, write it down, put it someplace where you'll see it all the time. And would you commit that to memory this week? Three things to take home with you, your small groups or with your children or your spouse or someone that you care about. And I hope that we can come out of this thing with a resolve in 2022 to be people of integrity. Let's pray.